The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word. Uh, as we get into the Word, excited to, to turn the calendar over. I don't know how you feel about a new year, and I'm not trying to, to you know, get a, a, a response out of you or draw something out, but I can tell you there's something great about new things. Some people are frightened by new things because there's this uncertainty or maybe a, a, an open door for a measure of anxiety to set in. You know, the unknown is, is something that can be a little bit scary unless you have stability and security like, like we have as Christians. When you know that your heavenly father holds your life in the palm of his hand and he's promised to never leave or forsake and he's made a way for you to have every good thing as it pertains to life, as the scripture says, then really new things should be exciting for Christians. I mean, a, a new year, turning over a new year. Now, let me tell you a couple of things that crossed my mind as we were moving out of 2023 and into 2024. One of the things was I was excited to do it. Uh, 2023 had a lot of challenges and obstacles and things, and it, it's just, it wasn't my favorite year. But I also know that once you get through something like that, uh, you're, you're on the other side of it. You're better for it. You have an opportunity to, to learn from things and move in a direction in a productive way. So there's an exciting element there. Uh, we have a lot of things going on in our country this year, and, and obviously those are things that we need to pay attention to as believers and, and keep our eyes open and, uh, and keep our, our voices heard in a very appropriate and godly way. And that's something that's coming up this year. I was thinking about that. But above all else, I started thinking about the things that I didn't even know to think about. And that's kind of weird, right? I mean, creating things and innovating things is a hard task because you're basically looking to materialize something that doesn't exist. And honestly, if I can think about it, it's pretty small. I mean, my mind is just not that vast. I like to think I'm a pretty sharp guy. Most people like to think they're pretty sharp. I've never really met someone who didn't have a problem with feeling like they were inferior mentally. But for all of us here, you have this wonderful capacity in your mind. But even with the wonders of your capacity, it still has limits. That's an interesting thing when you go into this new year because we can all go in and create resolutions. I want to do this. I want to see that. I'm committed to this. I'm devoted to that. But I want to sit down myself and say, God, if I can think it, maybe it's too small. If I can wrap my mind around it, maybe it's not that big of a challenge. So, Father, what do I need to do to see my mind expand, to see my heart expand, to see my expectations expand? This is a really interesting thing to think about. Think about a scripture like this, okay? This is what the word says. The measure you measure with is measured back to you. It's a pretty interesting passage of scripture. A lot of times people like to quote that and then, you know, pass an offering plate or something like that. Not a bad thing to quote. I have no problem with that having a financial application, but I don't think it's limited to that. I think the measure that you measure with is measured back to you, your expectations, your desires, your efforts, all of those things. When I flip over this calendar year, I've had, you know, such a, a long stretch in history of life and ministry and, and family that it's very easy to just begin to get on autopilot where you begin to do things like you did it last year because you did it that way the year before and you did it that way the year before that. But I think prayer is like, I want a different measure this year. Will you expand my measure? Can I measure in a different way than I've ever measured before so that I might get something measured back to me in a different way that I've never experienced before? 
I want to see something different. I want to feel something different. I want to experience something different. The things that are in your word, I don't want to just know about them. I want to live them out. So whatever measure needs to be brought into my life to see that come to pass, let it be. Then the question is, you know, what's your measure? Where is your measure? Well, oftentimes your measure is in your heart and in your mind, right? Your, your life experiences, the things you learn, the things that you see, the things you witness can set your level of expectation. I remember one time we were uh, living in a, a, a wonderful neighborhood in Oklahoma and we had this, this really great house that you could just take a little bit of a stroll and you were next to these two ponds that were stocked with fish and the, the boys were of an age where they enjoyed going and fishing and we had their little you know, kid-sized fishing poles and if the weather was nice, we would decide, hey, let's go fishing. Well, there were certain seasons where you couldn't even put a line in the water without catching a fish. This, these little ponds were filled with crappie. If you're familiar with crappie, they're not real big fish, but man, they're feisty, right? They're fighters, they're fun to catch. And you could just kind of drag your line around the water's edge there and then boom, you know, that fish would hit it. And I'd watch the boys fish and, and of course your expectation was I'm going to put my line in the water and I'm going to catch this feisty little crappie. Now, they're considered like a pan fish, right? And any kind of pan fish means you can fit it in the frying pan pretty easily. And one day we're walking down there, and one of the boys that was Lincoln, he said, today I'm going to catch a fish as long as my arm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, well, good luck, you know. I'm, I'm glad you are optimistic. And we're fishing, and we're fishing in the spot where we always catch those crappie, you know. And he decides to walk to the other side of the pond. Now, he's a little kid. Now, this is one of those things where, you know, mom is thinking, like, you know, you keeping an eye on him because, you know, you want to make sure that everyone's safe. He goes all the way to the other side of the pond. I'm fishing over here where we always catch those little panfish, and then all of a sudden you see him pull a fish out of that pond, a, a type of fish I've never seen come out of that pond before. He caught a bass, and I swear it was as long as his arm. And he brings it back over for me to help him take it off the hook, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know there were bass in this lake. But here's something funny. I mean, it's a goofy, quirky story, but I was going to do things the way I always did it, and I was expecting to get the same result I always got. But here's somebody who had a desire, who had something stir inside of them. Today is going to be different. Today will be different for me. Today, I want to catch a fish as long as my arm. I don't care what people say is in the water and what's not in the water. I don't care if we always fish here and we only catch these things. I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to get a different result. Pretty amazing, you know, really simplistic train of thought, but not necessarily easy to pull off because we are creatures of habit. We think about things in the way that we've experienced them, and that means our thoughts can be limited by our experiences, and it can be a real challenge to step outside of that. There are people that have made really lucrative careers because they're known as those who can think outside of the box. Well, the box is your brain. It's what's been done before. It's what everyone knows. Now, here's what's amazing to me about this, especially as we turn over a new calendar year. We are made in the image of our Heavenly Father who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We don't really use the word creator very much, and, and I can understand why, because it's a little bit odd, right? I mean, if I went to someone at Walmart and just said, hey, I'd like for you to come visit my church sometime, we'll come together and we'll worship the creator, and then we'll open up the scripture and read about the creator, they would probably think, what kind of cult are you in, buddy? It sounds weird, doesn't it? It's just odd. 
But I want to reintroduce that, that title into my vocabulary. I want to begin to see God as the creator because I'm made in his image. And I want to start to see myself as creative. I don't have to stay in the box. I don't have to do what I did last year because I did it the year before and the year before and the year before that. But I want to get a different result. I want to have a new measure of expectation, and I want to have a new measure of fruitfulness. So here's a few things we're going to find. I'll move fast through the word here. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. How to get more grace and peace. How to get more grace and peace. We're going to find that in the scripture. Then we're going to find what we need to know in order to be productive. What we need to know in order to be productive. And we're also going to find a third thing that it's, you're familiar with this saying, but we're going to find out in the scripture it's very important. It's not what you know, it's who you know. You ever known a blockhead who got a job? And you're thinking, well, how'd they get that job? They can't even tie their shoes in the morning. Well, maybe it's not what they knew. Maybe it's who they knew, right? Well, we have that, and it works in our advantage. It works to our advantage, excuse me, constantly as believers. It's not what we know, it's who we know. So we're going to talk about knowledge this morning. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of, of, of gaining that knowledge to step outside of what we've known in the past. If we're only limited by what we've experienced, then, then we're never going to get anywhere. Have you ever seen one of these, you know, it, it's kind of a paradox in my opinion, where people create a problem. I looked at a, a, a situation where uh, someone was needing in, employ, uh, employees. It was, a, it was an area of, of government that was needing to, to bring in employees, and they said, we offer training, and then below that it said, must have two years' experience. And I thought, well, hang on a second. <laughs> how do you do that? How, how do I step into this field if I have to have experience in order to step into this field? I mean, we, we function and we operate in ways that are, are, they sound wise or they sound maybe normalized, but they're really absurd. And in the scripture, we have this wonderful gift to step outside of the things that we've experienced in order to know things beyond what we've seen, beyond what we've experienced ourselves, beyond what we've even heard of. And it's what opens up the door for a life of faith. So I mentioned before something, and this is meant to be like a great enticer. We need to get this knowledge into our life. And there's not a person in the room who wouldn't say, yes, I would like that if I were to say, this year, 2024, would you like more of the grace of God in your life? And would you like more of the peace of God in your life? Now, first of all, you have to understand that I don't believe that God just gives a little bit of grace here and a little bit of grace there. I think God's grace is absolute. However, that doesn't mean every aspect of my life is surrendered to his grace. There can be areas where I've been selfish or rebellious, where I've closed the door to that grace to operate and function. And I want to see God's grace prevail in every aspect of my living. So I want you to pay attention to this passage of scripture with this in mind. This is the key to getting more of God's grace in your life, more of God's peace in your life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It reads like this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's really funny to me is that this is a, a greeting. It's a... It's a a greeting in a, a letter written as if I were to communicate with you and just say, dear loved one. This is a greeting, but in this greeting you have this wonderful and powerful truth revealed. That there's the multiplication, the, the increase of both grace and peace as we increase in knowledge in God and Jesus. 
our Heavenly Father and our King, our Savior, our Deliverer. The more that we know who God is and the more that we know who Jesus is, the greater measure of grace is active in our life and the greater measure of peace is active in our life. I've spent a lot of time, you know, praying and asking God for peace in situations that were filled with anxiety. I've spent a lot of time praying and asking God for grace in scenarios where I was in desperate need of his power and authority to bring transformation in my life. Now, I don't think either one of those prayers are, are null and void. I think they're wonderful things to pray. But what I see here is in order to get grace, in order to get peace multiplied in my life, what I really need to be seeking is more knowledge of who he is. Give me a greater awareness of who you are and who Jesus is. Why would knowing more about who he is help me? Because I'm made in his image. Yeah. The more you know about him, the more you know about who he is, the more you're going to be aware of who you're called to be. I'm called to stand against the storm and to speak and impart peace, to see the waves calm and the wind die down. I'm called to go into the midst of the chaos and bring about solution. I'm called to step into the darkness as light and the darkness fail to overcome all of the light that Jesus shines through my life. The more I know about him, the more I know about me. And that's where that grace and that's where that peace begins to multiply. So I wanted to find out, you know, if knowledge of God, if knowledge in general of the things of God are, are, is such an important element to having that grace and peace as we turn over a new calendar year, a year filled with uncertainties and unknowns, how can believers walk with grace and peace into a 2024 that no one can tell you what it's going to look like on December 31st as they can see it right here on January 7th? So that we don't walk with anxiety and so that we don't step into a, a scenario where we are become terrified of the situations or the circumstances going on. So that we walk in the grace of God, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of God, which is the stability of his kingdom, knowing that it will never be shaken, never topple. We need to have that knowledge. So I started looking at knowledge in the scripture, and I think there's a few passages of scripture that are really worth making a note of. So these are kind of some keys to pursuing knowledge, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the scripture. And, and these keys are, are going to be, you know, independent of each other, but they're going to have individual points in them that are worth applying. I'll give you the first one here from Hosea, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. First of all, it opens up with a, a statement that really prioritizes the importance of knowledge. That we need to, we need to pursue the knowledge of the things of God in order to, uh, to do well, in order to prosper. Hosea chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. People are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Well, that tells me this is a priority. I, I need this in my life. But then now, here's one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we pursue the knowledge of, of God, having fellowship with him, understanding the word of God, and letting the word of God have its impact on our life. People are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, because they reject knowledge. So I want to stop right there. That's the point that I want to make with this passage of verse. Knowledge, this passage, this verse, knowledge can be rejected. When I step into pursuing knowledge, when I come into my prayer closet and say, Father, I need to see grace and peace this year multiplied in my life. I want to grow in the knowledge of you, and I want to grow in the knowledge of my King Jesus. I need to be ready to surrender my heart, committed to not rejecting what does come. When God does speak to me and begin to reveal himself, knowing that it might require that I change things about myself 
knowing that it might require surrendering to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, knowing that it might make me very uncomfortable, that it might expose things that I don't want exposed, or that it might require change that I am uncomfortable with. I need to be willing to say, Father, I'm asking for something, and I'm committed to not rejecting it when it comes my way. Now, this is actually one of my greatest weaknesses as a man. I have tremendous knowledge around me, people that are, are wise, that have lived uh, wonderful and, and experienced rich lives that can bring that life experience into my life. But yet, I don't think I'm alone in this. I do think that it's a real weakness for me. I tend to pick and choose the counsel that I'll listen to, which means I'm prepared to reject certain things and embrace others. If it fits my agenda, I'll embrace it wholeheartedly. If it doesn't fit my agenda, I'll reject it. I'm opening up the door to suffering. I'm opening up the door to destruction when I do that. When we pursue the knowledge of God, when we go to the scripture and say, Father, I want my life to be molded by your word. I want my life to be led by your spirit. We have to be willing to lay down our right to pick and choose and say, I surrender my right to reject what you say. I want to be affected by you, not you affected by me. That's a hard one. It requires a humility of heart. And because of God's love and his affection for us, he's at work in our hearts to soften them so that we can be a people who don't reject knowledge when it comes our way. We can embrace it and experience the benefits of it, that increased grace and peace, that we can avoid that destruction. Here's another passage as we pursue this knowledge so that we don't walk into this year you know, subject to and prone to anxiety, fear of the unknown, but we walk in a measure of grace and peace that transcends all of those things that are mysterious to us right now. Proverbs 12.1, it reads like this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. As I pursue knowledge, as I pursue the things of God, as I pursue these things in my life in order to see grace and peace be multiplied, I need to be willing and understand that this is going to mean a discipline, which is a really important thing that we understand accurately. Now, we've said this before, and because we're a small group, you've probably heard it before, but for the sake of the message, it needs to be repeated. Discipline is not punishment. They're not the same thing. If you go to the dictionary, punishment is going to involve vindication, like vengeance or revenge. You did this, you made me mad, now I'm going to make you suffer for it. That's punishment. Discipline is correction. Correction, it's, it's to redirect. And when you see in the scripture God's commitment to you as your heavenly father, as a father loves his children, so the Lord disciplines his beloved. That's you, that's me. He's bringing about correction. When we go astray, he redirects us to get us on the right path. This is a wonderful thing to embrace. You know, I, I don't think it's a normal thing for people to pray because we often confuse discipline with punishment. But what if we were to begin to pray daily, Father, discipline me today. Let your discipline be present in my life. Let me tell you another way to word this prayer. And this one will sound a little more familiar to you uh, from a, a Bible IQ perspective. Your rod and your staff comfort me. That's all that's being prayed when that prayer is being offered up. I want your discipline. I want you to direct me. I want you to lead me and guide me. Don't let me go astray. When I start going astray, just give me that tap. Turn me, move me. I want to be on the right path all the time. Man, if the people in this room said, you know what, I'm going to commit to that prayer. That'll be a daily prayer of mine. Father, let your discipline prevail in my heart and mind today. 
I think we would see wonderful and powerful things take place in our lives, individually and collectively. But it starts with the right understanding. Discipline's not punishment. It's a manifestation of God's love. In fact, the scripture says the one that God loves, he disciplines. And of course, we need to love that discipline in order to embrace that knowledge that we need to see grace and peace be multiplied. Here's another passage of scripture, Proverbs 14. I want to begin in verse 6. We'll read through 7. It says, A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. Now here's the verse that I want to, to emphasize. It's verse 7. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern knowledge. Leave the presence of a fool or you won't discern knowledge. Let me tell you what this means to me for this year. There's a lot of foolish counsel out there, a lot of foolish advice. There's all kinds of direction that are, are compromised. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're outside of the word of God. It's obviously outside of God's counsel. And those are the things that I need to avoid. If I soak in those things and then soak in the word of God, I'm going to have a tension in my mind. Everything's going to be a debate. I'm not saying that we stick our head in the sand and not be aware of what's going on around us. I'm saying be careful what you soak in. This says to, uh, to abandon that, to leave the presence of foolishness, or else you're not going to be able to discern knowledge. Let me tell you something that I take and, and pray from this. And I, I'm not trying to tell you how to do it like I do it. I'm just telling you what I do, and I think it actually has an impact. I've prayed this prayer. Father, I want your voice to be louder than any other voice. I want to hear your counsel above the noise of this world. I think if we just became a people who shut out the voice of the world, that's really not possible. I mean, you're going to hear people talk. You're going to hear news headlines. If you have any connection or any life outside of your home, there's going to be a voice that's going to be speaking into your life, and that voice might be compromised. But what my prayer is, is, Father, I want to know the difference between that voice and your voice, and I want your voice to prevail in my ears. I want your voice to prevail in my heart. I want your voice to prevail in my mind. So that I can open up the door for knowledge. And so that I can make a way for grace and peace to be multiplied. Uh, here's another one, and this one is a little bit long to read, but you'll see the, the point in here. Uh, from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, um, I've got verses 1 through 6 here. It opens with this, my son, if you'll receive my words and treasure these words in your heart and, and make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Now here's verse three. This is where we're going to get our point. If you'll cry out for knowledge, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives this wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's an interesting thing that the emphasis here that really stood out to me was this call to cry out for it. Now, there's something about this that I find interesting because it pr produces attention. I mean, I know God to be a loving heavenly father who knows my needs before I even ask them, right? I don't think that God has required us to perform in order to get his attention. It's not as if we don't ask loud enough, so he ignores us. And it's not as if he has some measure of insecurity where he's like, well, if you beg hard enough, I might pay attention to you. 
He's not insecure like we are. He doesn't suffer those same failures and weaknesses like we do. This passage of Scripture is meant to communicate something. And here's a word that I think is a very important word to understand and apply here. It's meant to communicate urgency. When I think of crying out, I think of urgency. I've yelled. I've screamed. (laughs) I've raised my voice. I've done all kinds of things. But when you hear someone cry out, What you are hearing is a state of emergency or a state of urgency that's so severe that that all awareness of surroundings, that all politeness is, is thrown off and abandoned. It is go time. And what's being spoken here is this is such a priority. We're meant to cry out for knowledge. Understanding that if we don't have this, we're in trouble. If we don't have this, we close off the door to grace and peace being present and active in our lives. We're subject to being led by circumstance and situation and deception and all the falsehood in the world that would love to lead us astray. I want to be willing to cry out for these things. And I don't think crying out is just a decibel level. I think it's a heart condition. I want my heart to long for these things, to understand and to know that without these things, there will be hardship, there will be suffering. This is priority one. I have a lot of things that I want to repair and a lot of things that I want to fix and a lot of things that I want to build. And if I just go into those things and hope that it works out, it's probably going to be a disaster. But I want my heart to long for knowledge. How do you do this so that I can do it right? If I'm going to put the time, the effort, the energy, if I'm going to offer my life in that direction, I want it to be productive. God, I need to know what I'm doing. I'll give you another passage of scripture. I told you we were going to find, you know, what's uh, needed in order to know and be productive. I'll give you this passage of scripture from, from Philippians it reads like this. Let me just give this to you. It says, For this reason, we've not stopped praying for you, and we ask that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, that he would do this with spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that, now there's that, so that, this is meaning all of that, coming to that knowledge of his will is for this reason, so that you will walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, so that you'll please him in all respects, so that you'll bear fruit in every good work, and that you will increase in the knowledge of who he is. This is a really interesting passage of scripture, and honestly, I don't think I did my best job reading it. So I want to just kind of paraphrase it real quick. It opens up with this. Here's the prayer. We pray that you grow, that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That means know what God wants. Know what his plan is. Know what God's will is so that so that you can be productive, so that you can be fruitful, and so that you can increase in the knowledge of God, meaning so that you can get to know him better. That's one to take into your your prayer life. God, I want to know what your will is. I want to know what your will is. I don't want to just see in the scripture the general guidelines for healthy Christian living and apply that, though we should most definitely do that. 
I want to know what your will is. I want to know what your plan is for this year. I want to know what your plan is for my life. I want to know what your plan is for this congregation. I want to know what your plan is for my sons and for my wife and our marriage. I want to know what your plan is for the things of your kingdom as we continue to move in the direction that you're leading us in. I want to know your will so that I can be productive, so that I can be fruitful, so that I can produce the things that are pleasing to you, and so that I can grow closer to you, knowing more and more every day about who you are. A wonderful thing to pray. And here's really why this is important. I want to close with this. I want to, I want to end with this passage of Scripture here. Because all of this, this pursuit of knowledge for the sake of uh, seeing God's grace and his peace multiply in our lives so that we can walk in this year in a way that's fruitful and productive and continue to grow in fellowship with him opens up the door for something great. This isn't just something that God has established or designed so that we can live our lives uh, in a moral way or an ethical way. But whether this is God's wonderful gift to us to bring his life into our lives. The more that we begin to know of who he is and how he functions, the more that we begin to know his will and therefore we begin to know him, the more of his life we see manifest in and through our existence. This is something that we know and understand from the scripture from the very beginning and, and, and up to this point. You'll remember Moses asked God to, to show him who he is, to show him his way so that he could know him. The more that we begin to know who God is, the more we begin to experience God's life, not only in our life, but through our life. And this is the passage of scripture I want to close with as we pursue this knowledge this year. John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus is speaking, and as he's speaking, he's in prayer. He's praying to God the Father, and he's asking God for wonderful things on your behalf. And as he's revealing his desires for you and for me as disciples, he begins to speak things that are true, and he makes this declaration known in verse 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they, that's me and you, might know you, the one true God and the Savior that you've sent. It's the reason why this knowledge is so important. It's the reason why this knowledge has the ability to bring grace and peace into our life and into every situation and every circumstance. Because as we begin to bring knowledge into the situation, we begin to bring God's life, that abundant life that's promised in Jesus, into that situation. If I want to see God's life enter into my household, then I need to begin to grow in knowledge of who he is. I need to understand his will. I need to devote myself to not rejecting his counsel, but embracing it to see it come to pass. To be positioned to embrace and love that discipline and that redirection when things go astray, correct it. Be willing to adjust. And open up the door for something great to take place. That the life of God would not only be something that we look forward to, but that the life of God will be something that we know and experience every day of our existence. I think that is what being a believer is meant to be. That we don't just endure doing our best to be moral and ethical to the end in order to have life, but that we begin to do the things that are pleasing to God, pursue the knowledge of who he is, grow in fellowship with him, and experience his life right here and right now. Eternal life is not something that we're going to get. 
Eternal life is something that we have. You're living it right now. I want to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray and I want to trust and believe God to do something really great in each of us. It's easy to hear a message and, and get the point of the message. Well, you know, having knowledge of who God is and, and having fellowship with him is important. But I think the things that can get in the way of that are the things that we really need to deal with, you know. And if I were going to pray and ask God to do something in, in the hearts of those in this room, it would be to open up the heart to receive, that we wouldn't be willing to reject, that we wouldn't be a people that pick and choose what we apply to our life about who he is. I remember saying something as a young Christian, and it's something I have to remind myself because if I'm not careful, I'll go astray from it. But I remember reading the Word, and I, and I was so moved by the, the, the Scriptures the first time that I had read it as a believer, and, and the words were coming off the page, and I could feel them in my heart. I could feel them having an effect on my life. It was a really amazing and profound experience. And I'll never forget the, the prayer that I prayed just one evening as I began to realize that I'm getting to know my Heavenly Father. The prayer was, was this. It was, you know, God, I never want to base who you are on what I know. But I want to base everything I know on who you are. Which means I don't want to make you into the image of what I think you ought to be but I want you to make me into the image of what you think I should be. I want to surrender to you. And that's really the point of a message like this, that as we pursue the knowledge of who he is, it's in order to be disciplined and moved and corrected and put in that position where we can be fruitful, where we can be productive. It requires us being willing to embrace that discipline and that correction and not reject it, not pick and choose when we allow God to touch and affect our lives but truly be his own. I want to pray there where you stand. I want to ask you, and you're welcome to be in agreement or in receiving, however you choose. But I want to ask God to do a great work in softening our hearts and our minds this year. That this new year would be filled with new measures and, and great and wonderful new things, all as we surrender to the knowledge of who he is and continue to grow, not only in fellowship with him, but in turn in fellowship with one another. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are revealing yourself to us. Let us grow in the knowledge of who you are. Let us grow in knowledge of you, that we would grow in fellowship with you. Let's be affected by your word, that we wouldn't reject knowledge, that our hearts would be softened and open to receive. Let us begin to love discipline, that we would awaken the dawn with the prayer, Father, let your discipline prevail in our life today, that we would receive your counsel and your direction. Let your voice prevail over the voice of this world that we wouldn't be subject to be led by foolishness, corruption, and compromise, but that we could have truth leading and guiding us in everything that we would do. And let our lives be a catalyst for the abundant life that you bring into us and through us in Jesus. Let it not only be to enrich our own existence, but let it spill out from our lives. Let it flow out from us as the rivers of living water that you promised. Let it move into this community, do wonderful and powerful things, wash away sin and corruption, make a way for 
uh, uh, new and, and fresh beginnings. And let all of these new things not be established by what we've come to know. Let a new measure be established in each of us, that we would begin to be creative in new and great ways, innovative spiritually, trusting and believing what is true, that all things are possible with you. We thank you for this new year. We devote it to you. Let our lives be lived in such a way that you're honored and glorified. Let us grow in fellowship with you and with each other. And as we move through this year together, let that knowledge of you make a way for that abundant life to be embraced and released through our words, our attitudes, our actions. Let it all be for your glory, the expansion of your kingdom. Let Jesus be exalted through our existence. We bless your name and we thank you for this wonderful and mighty work. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.